This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to Alberta Wildlife Stories. Joining me today is Carson Lazowski. For those that don't know, Carson is a hunter and angler with a copious amount of success. Whether it's big brookies through the ice, browns out of the streams, or bulls folded in the prairies, Burton has had his hands on some of the best wild game the province has to offer. 
I can't wait to hear about all the guys gotten into and his success from this season. Carson, thanks for coming on the pod, man. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, for sure, man. Thanks for uh, yeah taking the time out and everything. And you know, like I was saying earlier, thanks again for putting up with me and <laughs> being sick, man. It's never ending. Yeah, no worries. It always sucks uh, being sick in hunting season. Oh, dude. I got real lucky with, uh, I was just talking about with a couple other guys that got real lucky to take out day one because after day one, it's been really hard to get back out, <laughs> apparently. So, yeah, no kidding. No yeah. kidding. And a couple of weeks ago, there, I had a tooth ripped out of my face. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know what it was last week. I just ended up with the flu. So things got kind of shuffled around a bit. So, again, oh, I'm glad. Wow. Here and chatting finally. <laughs> it feels like a while. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And so uh, you're from Alberta here. Are you Alberta born and raised? or? Yeah, I am Calgary born and raised, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, spent most of my time in southern Alberta. Um, my dad grew up right on the sweetgrass border. So I spent a lot of time down there and on the prairies we'll say so, yeah yeah that's pretty nice and so uh was that big inspiration growing up for hunting and fishing was your dad or was that something you'd done your whole life oh yeah my dad um has had me out hunting and fishing since i was very young um and uh yeah, it's been uh, definitely a big part of my life. Every, uh, all my family knows me as the crazy fisherman. That's all that I do almost. So um, fish all summer and winter and then hunting season starts and I'm out in the bush pretty much three months straight. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nice for sure. So I know like, yeah, you're into doing things the hard way, like fly fishing and bull hunting and stuff like that, too. Was that something you also did from youth or? No. So I started out actually spin fishing and, well, rifle hunting. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of started as when I, I've been spin fishing as a kid for so many years. And then I got introduced to fly fishing which just added a little more challenge, a little more finesse to it. Um, and I think that's kind of what grabbed me about fly fishing. It's because it takes a little bit more skill to fool that fish. So I think that's what's kind of intrigued me there. And now I don't um, spin fish at all. I haven't touched a spin rod in a lot of quite a few years. I'm pretty much fly only. So um, and same with bow hunting. I mean, I still rifle hunt, um, but I spend most of my time with my bow in my hands now. Um, yeah. When I can. So, yeah, there's definitely yeah. something to be said about the like increased reward from the increased challenge for sure on both accounts. Sure. Oh, absolutely. When, when it happens, it just makes it that much sweeter. Right. And then you start adding in things like tying your own flies or building your own arrows and it just yeah. levels that up. Yeah. Well, that's the truth for sure. So 
I mean, you're still using spin stuff like on the ice and stuff. I'm assuming, like, yeah, that's kind of a goofy yeah, question. ice fishing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, ice fishing has kind of toned down a bit. Um, I'm more. I've actually since I live in Calgary, the bow is open all year. So the last Damn. couple of years, I've really toned down the ice fishing and just been kind of winter fly fishing, which has its own challenges. Um, yeah, I've seen some guys doing it quite a bit. Like, you got some insulated waders then? Is that what you're running? or? Um, I just run my, I guess, I think they're Gore-Tex, my Patagonia waders, and uh, five or six layers underneath, and <laughs> do your best, and pick a nice Chinook day. <laughs> Dang, well. Yeah. That's inspiring for sure. Like, I've seen some guys kind of bite the bullet of the cold and take the challenge for it, but uh, I haven't been that brave myself, but it definitely looks better than ice fishing, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Yeah, but... yeah, it's it's more exciting, at least. Um, yeah. Sitting on the ice, waiting all day, hanging around. But... And, I mean, I know there's lots of sections of the bow, and I don't want to be... Yeah, broaden on what sections of the bow or whatever, but is that that river's actually pretty much open as in like ice broken open year round? Like I know you're saying it's open year round, but are there some places that it's still frozen over quite a bit? Yeah, yeah, like um, yeah, the uh, around South Calgary seems to stay open for most of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always pretty much always open water that's fishable yeah. 12 months of the year. So that's, uh, now not always, but pretty much pretty. Yeah. Do you find like, there's like a winter scene of dudes that are doing that? I'm just not a really big, like really familiar with the winter scene or anything of guys getting out and doing it. And I fished the boat pretty rarely like maybe once a year i'll get onto the bow because i'm up east of edmonton there but in for oh, park and strathcona county but mm -hmm. um, um yeah so i think that it definitely keeps a lot of the guys off the river um but the amount of open water fishable water is uh reduced so yeah, you. Uh, it feels like it's the same amount of people, maybe more sometimes, but really, really it's just not as spread out because a lot of it is frozen. Um, mm -hmm. So you, it, that's the way it feels, at least. Um, and uh, yeah, and then once kind of summer hits and some of the other rivers open up, a lot more people come out. The fair weather anglers, or uh, but. You, they spread out as well so it, uh, yeah makes a difference for sure yeah yeah that's cool man that's inspiring that definitely <laughs> i don't know something that's been in the back of my mind for trying more and now that i at least know of one person out there doing it i'm like man yeah not to come and clog the river with yeah. more people or anything but it's definitely <laughs> tempting. yeah it's just watch the weather yeah yeah yeah, it can change like a dime. Yeah, well, you get those nice Chinook weeks down here, so you can get some almost 
plus weather in December or January or February, and then it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair for sure. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about that because. And then do you find like the bow in general, like you're saying, with more people, like that's something you're just finding in the summer too is quite crowded or it's tough because anytime that I've fished it, it has not felt bad, but I don't know, like when you're in Calgary, you're, I don't know, probably staying around closer to Calgary. So I don't know if like closer to the city, it's just swamped with people or what. There's uh, it. I mean, it's a fairly busy river for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. The summer is, pretty busy yeah you run into a lot of guys a lot of drift boats and such but it's also a very large it's like a large river so yeah. there is a lot of space for people so you kind of it doesn't some days it doesn't feel crowded and then other days you show up and there's four or five people in the hole you wanted to fish so yeah you know it but there's always lots of room i mean i always find somewhere to fish so yeah, that's fair. It'd just be a bit of a battle sometimes, but so yeah, then uh, you get you get sorry. into the busy weeks. Yeah, you get into the busy weeks, like when the stone flies are going or something, and yeah, it can be uh, it can be pretty crazy out there. So yeah, that's fair. So with uh, bow hunting, then you got into that a little bit of an older age as well, then or yeah, I'm gonna say. 17 18 i started bow hunting um i shot a deer maybe my second year third year bow hunting um yeah mule deer buck when i was younger with my dad and uh it was actually my first stock on a muley buck with a bow ever so i uh yeah and i connected so uh ever since that like having that deer at 30 yards stocked in there all morning kind of deal that was cemented uh my love for bow hunting um and uh yeah now i there isn't a year that i'm not out bow hunting for at least september Um, yeah yeah i try to get out for an elk consistently i was out this morning actually looking for an elk too so yeah nothing out there moving around today or um not that i saw no uh they got about four inches of snow up there so i was hoping Mm -hmm. but nothing i could come across so oh man so uh do you find it then tough to transfer over to rifle stuff are you you still go out and do bow stuff when you can do rifle and do, do you kind of get born a little bit or um so about the first week of october is when i kind of throw in the towel like yeah. um i'm going on a mule deer hunt archery mule deer hunt next week and then after that i'll probably just be a rifle hunter by then i yeah. kind of <laughs> lick my wounds as a bow hunter and uh, do something that's effective, you know, yeah. <laughs> at least it feels that way sometimes. Um, yeah. The, by, 
after I think yeah after my next mule deer hunt I'll probably put the bow away for the year and uh just try and shoot an elk with my bow or with my rifle sorry yeah um, for the rest of the the season there yeah yeah so. well that's still uh an all good season for sure and I mean not to uh make it sound like you haven't gotten anything with your bow this year I mean I think now's a fine time to really even go into the story about what you've already done this year. So, I mean, before I, I don't know, we go into it, I definitely want to congratulate you on what you have accomplished this year because uh, it's a pretty freaking beautiful pronghorn that you ended up with. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank you. Oh, man, that's that's a dream hunt for me. I haven't even attempted it yet, and uh, let alone, you know, drawn a tag or, you know, anything like that so uh yeah it's something that uh is only in in my dreams at night so to see a guy like yourself have success on that is uh i was stoked to see that when you shared it for those that probably have already seen the photos and everything but uh yeah man what what was this like getting into it yeah no it's uh it definitely was a bucket list item for me um it wasn't my first well, it was my first antelope tag myself, but I've been on other archery antelope hunts with with other people. So that's good, though. And, yeah. Um. So I had kind of an idea, but it's been quite a few years. I was pretty young when I went on some of these other hunts. Um. So it took a little. There was still a learning curve there. Um. I went down this year. So it was a, I waited 12, 13 years for the tag down there. Um, so yeah, it was quite the wait. And then, so I went there down. So to confirm this. So sorry, I just want to confirm before. Okay. So the, the antelope that you have gotten that year you, was a tag you waited 13 years for. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> okay, that just really adds to it for me. I'm like, holy smokes. So. Anyway, go yeah. on. So, yeah. Yeah. So 13 year wait. Um, I got the draw actually with my dad. We both got it. Um, now with his work, he only could make it down the first week of the season. Um, so we went down there first week of September for five days or so. And lots, like we seeing lots of antelopes, couple good bucks. Um, but it was so early in the season that a couple of the bucks had does, but every time we tried to decoy them, you know, they just round up their does and go, they weren't rutting super hard. Um, it was pretty tough. We had some doe decoys and the odd buck we could get close, but not close enough for a shot. And so we, we really battled that first week. Um, we ended up uh, sitting water holes um, because about day two, we realized that the antelope go to the same water hole about the same time every day. So you can pattern them pretty good on water. Um, and three days straight, we found bucks on water and then would go sit it the next morning. And within 10 minutes of when, when they came the day before, they'd be back that next day. So I had some really good opportunities 
um, on water holes, but I just couldn't connect, um, you know, their eyes are like nothing I've ever seen before. So it's pretty tough to get that close to them and draw your bow or move at all. So that was, uh, that was the first week of the season. We ended up not getting one. Um, and then came back to, came back home to uh, work a little bit and I decided to go back for the last three days of the season. Um, now my dad was up working, so I had no one to go with. I went solo down for the last ditch effort because I couldn't let a 13 year tag yeah. um, go to waste. <laughs> um, so I was down there at the end and the, the antelope were definitely running a lot harder. They were chasing does hard. And, you know, the bucks were chasing each other around. It, the first morning that was evident. Um, so I uh, made, I was probably seeing 10 to 12 bucks a day on average. Um, and in the last three days, I was not as picky as <laughs> my first my first trip so i was making stocks on or making attempts on probably eight of them every day and uh i that's great uh yeah yeah it was uh definitely an action-packed time you weren't sitting for too long um but the uh the challenge was running the decoy because the decoy I had was, it sits on a post that pushes into the ground like a spike. Yeah. And uh, so you'd stick it in the ground and then the wind would blow it side to side. So I was using an arrow propped up on one side to hold <laughs> it straight. And then when the antelope would come running in, they'd usually come in and circle the head end of the decoy or downwind. Um, just the way it worked out, but they'd circle a little bit. So I'm trying to draw my bow and kick this decoy over with my elbow to keep it straight with them. And I think I blew out six bucks in two days doing that inside bow range. Wow. So yeah, that I was, uh, I was pretty defeated. I was going to say, like, that's a pretty defeating feeling, man. Like 13 year tag blowing out bucks like that and being like, oh man, like, oh. Yeah, it was actually a lot more of a challenge like than I thought it would be. Going down there, I had high hopes. Like, oh, they're just going to come running in and I'll shoot them. You know, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, once it, like, once they hit that flat part of the decoy where they can't see it anymore, like they take off right away and that's the end of that. Right. So it was uh super difficult doing that. So there was uh, one good buck that had about, I think eight does and he was in the same field. I pushed him out. He'd come running in. I get draw back and he'd circle me and I, I blew him out twice in two days and then all his does would run away in him. And then two hours later, he'd be back in the same spot. So that happened two days straight. Um, and then at the end of 
the second day I actually put on my Instagram story that, uh, Hey, if anyone's in Southern Alberta wants to come and give me a hand, I'd sure appreciate it. And, yeah. uh, I had a guy from, he lived an hour and a half away. I'd never met him before. And he drove down the next morning, an hour and a half. We met at the store at six in the morning and uh he was gonna come out and hold the decoy for me and help me out no way so yeah yeah he drove all the way down there and uh what a legend yeah that's what i said <laughs> i was so <laughs> happy like i was so grateful for the guy yeah like just coming to help me he told me the same thing he said well you waited 13 or 14 years for this tag i know if i was in this position i'd want someone to come help me Man. so Unreal. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was definitely a spirit lifter. Um, knowing that on my on the last day of the season, this guy was going to come and give me a hand. Yeah. Um, so, so, and the day before, I had actually uh, dropped my range finder. Um, <laughs> after I ranged this antelope that came in, and I set it down and drew my bow, and then. You know how that goes. I set it down. I didn't have the tether and uh, awesome. never saw it again. I looked for hours. No, dude. <laughs> yeah. So um, he actually brought me a second rangefinder as well that I could use just for the day. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. a huge savior because there's nothing out there on the prairies to judge range. It's yeah. Just, it's so flat out there. Um, so anyways, we meet up, um, drive out, and I knew this buck was going to be in the field in the same spot because he'd been there for two days. Um, and we uh, get out there, and sure enough, there he is. It's about legal light. And uh, we go sneaking out there, and the way the hills, the rolling hills kind of worked is um, we thought we'd be out of sight and we ended up coming up on top of a hill and going over and the whole herd looked at us and with antelope, that's usually the end of the story. Once they see, uh, it's, it's over even from, you know, a mile or two away. Yeah. But, um, as we dropped down, all we could see was the buck on top of the hill. So all the does were on the backside. So my... Yeah. Um, Bobby there put the decoy up and he came full tilt running in like probably a yeah. half a mile <laughs> um, right to us and uh, I ranged him 50 yards and shot him and that was it he maybe went 20 yards and fell over so that was 14 year wait and the last day the season 14 years one bobby a spare rainfinder and <laughs> yeah it was that's insane yeah quite yeah. the experience i mean the stars had to align for sure no doubt but i mean it wasn't without effort either right like it wasn't without you putting in the hard work of trying to make it happen whether it was with your dad or by yourself like using an arrow trying to keep things going like dude yeah, like when I first put in for the tag, I was 
you know, kind of thinking, oh, this will be no big deal. It'll be a nice, fun hunt, easy, you know, we'll both shoot one and then that'll be that, mm. right? And this hunt was nothing like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> I uh, worked for it for sure. And the, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it paid off on the last morning, so. And so last morning, what was that for that season? Um, September 23rd. Wow. And 50-yard bow shot. That's uh, on an analog. That's all good, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're a – I don't know if you've ever seen an antelope, but they are not a very big animal. No, they're not. Like, yeah, they're tiny. I haven't spent a lot of time, like I said, because I haven't hunted them. Like, I've, I've seen them, but, yeah, I just – haven't spent a lot of time in their vicinity, you know, trying to stalk or really pay that mm-hmm. close of attention to them. And other than, yeah, that's, that's not a real big animal for sure, especially 50 yards on a pin trying to look at the boiler room or at some vitals or something like, yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're small. And I actually, when I was sitting the water holes, I missed one because there's uh they're so small. So they're very tough to range. Um, like I didn't get a range on him, but he was, you know, 20 yards and I shot for 30 shot right over him. Well, um, because they're so small up close, you kind of think they're further away than they are. Right. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Um, Crazy. yeah and, you uh, said elk or deer or something. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's, and there's nothing to judge their size by out there. So yeah. that was, uh, and the other, the other thing I learned about antelope is um, I was directly behind one and you can see both of his eyes from directly behind his head. Yeah. So he, he, he can see, I think, all the way around. 360 degrees, it looks like, because I was directly behind his head. I have a photo of it and you can see both of his eyes. That's so crazy. That's such a, what's the word? The opposite of predator. Like, obviously not prey, but just such a, like, oh, defensive. Yeah. Mental, yeah. like, designed to a species. Like, that's insane to think. Yeah. They are the craziest animal. And I hear about guys down in the U.S., like, doing spot and stalk hunts on them. And I can't even, I don't know how you'd even do that. Yeah. Like, they're I I remember I was listening to this would have probably been like a year or two ago. I was listening to Remy Warren there on his like live wild podcast there. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about even with like, I think it was the mule deer that he was specifically um, referencing when he was talking about something really similar. And it was like spot and stalking, doing a spot and stalk on a mule deer. And he was saying that like, as he would, approach it from the back in like a wide open kind of prairie setting like same thing like no cover unless you're like belly crawling through tall grass or whatever where where, eventually you're going to get to a point where you're visible in the wide open and he was talking Mm -hmm. about how like he was banking like the way that he would come in from kind of behind them and Mm -hmm. they would turn their head and he was like he would wait for their head to turn so the eye would be like hidden behind their butt or whatever right like so like the same kind of thing by the sounds of it that like in certain angles that thing could pretty well see right behind it right so he's like waiting for like specific 
head turns to like make his next movement and stuff and it's like yeah now that you say that with antelope and they're so much smaller right like yeah they can probably just see so much it's like daunting yeah yeah and exactly like that like you can't get away with anything out there if they see you or you move at a mile away yeah. it's it's over usually like and, they're gone and so and this is also from uh lack of experience with antelope but like mm-hmm. with them being you know like the fastest thing we've got in the west right mm-hmm when you're talking about like blowing them out or like them being gone, like when they spook and take off, like with them being that fast, are they like gone, gone most of the time? Or are they like, do you get ever really like a second stock at something a few hours later? Or is it they're like through this place kind of thing? Like how, I guess what I'm asking is like, how far do they usually take off when you bump them like that? Um, so I, they from what i saw this year they really kind of stick in the same area yeah they don't go too far Uh, they get out of there in a hurry but like that buck that i ended up shooting i i chased him twice the day before and once the day before that okay that's crazy the almost they and he was on the same little hill that he could see all the way around so they kind of have their little territory it seems and you can kind of find them in that same mile half mile area from what i saw i could almost by the end of my trip i could almost pinpoint where those bucks would be laying without even being there um so they do pattern yeah yeah yeah, very patternable like I said in the morning there they go to the same water hole at the same time like daily so that yeah. is definitely something that we were taking advantage of yeah. um, I would I would leave the truck 20 minutes before they were there the day before you know and I'd sit for 15 and they'd come in it was kind of like we'd time it like that close wow so yeah it's yeah not well, congrats on that, man. That has got to be uh, so. Like after the shot, when you seen that hit, like does it immediately just scream or what? Like, oh yeah, you that thing. Like, yeah, yeah, big scream. Hugged Bobby for sure. He deserved <laughs> it. Um, and uh, yeah, like instant lifelong. I called my dad there. right away. Um, yeah, couldn't believe it because after being beat for that long and not thinking it was going to happen, like just so happy and so grateful Dude. Bobby came down, just the stars aligned for me. So, it literally, like, yeah, buzzer beater miracle, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude. And then, uh, so with something like that, like, from like your truck, were you like, I mean, I know they're little, you just got it throw it over your shoulder and take it to the truck or what like it it wasn't too bad yeah we ended up only being like 150 maybe 200 yards from the truck oh yeah (laughs) when it was over so we walked back um i I happen to have like a blue tarp in the back of my truck so and it rained the day before 
So we just threw them on the tarp and slid them back. We were back in town at, I don't know, an hour and a half after legal shooting light, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty quick, pretty quick morning. And yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, couldn't be more happy with how that turned out really. No kidding, man. That's, uh, so to you with like, I know, like you said, you've got, you know, other hunting stories and other like pretty big successes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But like, is that one just because of all the factors of, you know, waiting that long for a tag and, you know, maybe having certain expectations and it going the other way and it really like being a grind till the end. Is that one of your kind of favorite successes right now? Like, sort of? uh, oh, absolutely. And yeah, yeah Absolutely. And I think the fact that I thought it was going to be an easier hunt yeah, and then turning into a big grind is going to be, uh, is going to keep it at the top of my list for a while. Um, <laughs> mentally that was pretty tough to get over, you know, think, thinking we're going to get three and or two bucks in you know, three days kind of deal as we're going down there to this may not happen at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so that, yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a mental battle being down there, especially by myself. So. Oh, I can only imagine, man, especially, yeah, like, and like having missed opportunities and stuff. That's, uh, mm-hmm. dude, that is honestly, that's why, like, I, I love getting to talk to guys and, you know, to talk to you and having you on with us because it's like, you know, when I seen the picture for, I was just like amped. I was like, man, that's a freaking, like, it's a beautiful specimen of a pronghorn too. Like it's yeah, good size, but I'm just like stoked to see it. And then like, just to get even more details on how it went down and all the little findings. Stuff, it's like, that's a heck of a story, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and as far as size goes, like going down there, even before I judging antelope is a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I said, like, I just want a buck. That's a good representation Mm -hmm. of an antelope. You know, I don't, I mean, the last day I would have been happy with anything, obviously, but yeah, my goal kind of for the hunt was just a good representation. You know, I didn't need the biggest one out there. I just wanted something that was, you know, decent so well you got that for sure man that is uh that is too cool so with that being such a long wait and everything do you got plans for that one for like taxidermy or anything like that are you gonna just do euro or something or you know i had it euro mounted two days later nice (laughs) yeah um i i thought about it but you know, my girlfriend here in our house, yeah, she uh, she allows the euro mounts up as many whatever I want. But she said, as far as taxidermy goes, she said you better be obsessed with it because <laughs> I can only have one upstairs, right? So yeah, um, I got a placeholder right now, but I'm I'm saving for my first sheep. Um, that, that spot hey. so, yeah <laughs> that's fair 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so just zero mounts for now for me until, you know, until I, I think it's, I think it's the one, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's fair for sure, man. But you know, it's, it's funny cause my wife's very much the same way. And, uh, you know, even in my like little man cave slash podcast studio thing that I got, you know, mm-hmm. it's all just euros. And I just like with the deer that I got this year, I finally decided like, Hey, that's, that's going to get a shoulder mount. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was telling her, I was like, look, like this thing's got to go somewhere else than in my room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in my little studio. Yeah. I was like, this thing's got to go yeah. like, like over our fireplace maybe like you know over our master bedroom bed you know it's <laughs> like no way <laughs> right and so i was talking with yeah the, that was a heck of a deer you shot this year too oh. that thing deserves to be up there <laughs> <laughs> thanks man yeah yeah you know he's an upstairs deer you know that's the way i look at it <laughs> absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good one that's an upstairs deer <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I haven't got her to quite bite yet. And me and uh, Hunter there from Precision Edge, like the taxidermist there, um, we're kind of going back and forth. And every now and then he'll send me like a a mount and we're kind of just finalizing the details of what what the mount's going to look like and everything. And trying to show her pictures like, look, like, you know, and Hunter, he's like, tell her it's a work of art, man. He's like, tell her I'm not just, you know, putting a deer together. He's like, this thing's a dang work of art. No, we're just kind of laughing yeah. about it. Like, yeah. But, yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> the same yeah, struggle no, I, here for sure. But, yeah, exactly. And eventually you just got to buy a bigger house to accommodate them all, right? Upstairs. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, at least. Enough upstairs deer that you need to change, move houses, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dude! Can't just imagine her going through. Why guys upsizing? Oh, it's all these upstairs deer we got now. These upstairs big deer. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big vaulted ceilings, and uh, that's too funny. But so with the uh, pronghorn there, um, <laughs> did you? I know people, different guys say different things. Like smells like sage, smells like tostitos. I don't know. Did you get any sort of weird whiff of anything when you? went to gut it or anything um antelope are probably the stinkiest animal that i've ever dealt with myself really like yeah when they rut you can watch them do it in the field all day they just like an elk or anything else yeah pee on their head right yeah and that smell still is haunting me in here (laughs) um yeah, they reek and the the horns, the head, everything smells like it. And then you touch them and your hands, your clothes, like yeah. reek like that. But now that we got it all put away, I sealed the horns um, and we tried some tenderloins the other night because I've had really mixed reviews on the antelope meat actually i've had a couple people tell me they they don't like it at all and other people say it's awesome yeah and my review is it's amazing really because i've likewise been heard the same 50 50 but yeah um so my uncle who grew up down south there shot quite a few antelope told me that 
when he shoots them further east, um, closer to Saskatchewan, where it's mostly just sage, mm -hmm. um, they taste a lot like sage and not as not as good, he, in his opinion. Um, and then he shot one further west, where there's less sage and more grass, and he said it was awesome. Mm. So. Could be I, dietary. I haven't tried one another one, so I don't know. But that's uh, that's the story I'm I'm hearing. And I was further west, so and it's amazing. Um, so nice. that's what I'm sticking with for now. Yeah, like uh, personally, I like it better than elk. Actually, wow, um, that's a testament. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a second to moose, but. It uh, definitely took the elk spot for me. Mm. So, yeah, I just wish we got more of it. Yeah, you know? they're so little, right? <laughs> like all those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that ain't gonna last you fourteen years. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Dang man. So next so, year. Yeah, next so year I should have my rifle tag nice. if I want it. So we'll see. And did your uh, did your dad put in for that one too? The rifle? Yeah. Oh yeah, he he definitely has the priority to get drawn with me. Oh nice. If yeah, if if we want, but I'm I might try and wait and stagger them a little bit just because it's so much fun hunting them. Like instead of doing back to back, you know, if I could kind of split it up a couple of years, I think that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like do one with your dad, you mean, or something, and then do like yours again a couple of years after. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or something like that. Just so they... Yeah. Or even just so my antelope and rifle aren't back to back or my archery and rifle aren't yeah. back to back years. Right. So if I wait on the rifle four years or something three or four years then they'll kind of be spaced out for a while mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and so were you and this is also because i've been just buying uh priority on antelope but i haven't even really been looking at draw times for like duration on archery um mm -hmm. is that actually the normal for like whatever unit i mean we don't have to go into whatever unit or whatever but is that actually what the draw time is is like 13 14 years or is it uh like did you hold out a few years because of work and things like that because you couldn't make it happen or something or was it um so i think on no don't quote me on this but i think on average you're looking about 10 to 12 years okay now the zone i was in this year I saw the stats and 60% of the 12s got drawn, I believe. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so this draw, this zone was a little bit higher just because mm -hmm. there's less tags. Um, but if you go to some of the other ones, I, I believe you can get it with a nine or a 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just depends on location and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. For pretty, sure. pretty much once a decade kind of deal. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that it tastes good. I wonder sometimes if it, if it's that sweet taste of 
waiting 10 years it's you're like no matter what your brain's like this is gonna taste damn good <laughs> that that definitely could be a possibility yeah. <laughs> i wonder <laughs> yeah, Does, uh, you want it so bad <laughs> it tastes better right yeah. did your lady there yeah. eat wild game too like she liked it oh yeah she liked it um yeah. she eats yeah quite a bit of wild game with me um moose and elk and i mean she's deer we're still working on but um a lot of moose and elk she really likes and the antelope she loved it so that uh was just a little enforcement of me <laughs> um thinking it's yeah. good and not just <laughs> yeah me wanting it to be good yeah oh that's cool man. So, dude that is uh a heck of an accomplishment this year for sure and what a great way like like i said i think this that's actually i think the first 2023 story to hit the podcast um there's quite a few guys right now that have stories that have happened in like the last month like early beginning of bow season um like early success stuff and uh yeah there's quite a few guys lined up that are kind of up in the air just because you know like yourself still getting out there getting after it with lots of different things and it's been obviously gets hard to coordinate during uh, the middle of the season and stuff so there's lots of exciting stuff that's already happened like dude 2023 man it's uh all of a sudden been a heck of a year for a lot of guys and i'm really looking forward to uh hearing all the stories that i mean we've all started to see pictures of and everything on social media and everything but man for uh and of kicking off the 2023 stories with that antelope like that's a heck of a freaking you know weight and success and accomplishment man that's a wicked way to start it for sure yeah thanks yeah i can't wait to hear some of the other stories coming this year i know i've seen some awesome animals taken so yeah hopefully some good stories to go along with it yeah and just some unique stuff for sure like you know couple like those double headers and stuff that have gone down and yeah things like mm -hmm. that get some wild wild stuff but that's just a really good one man wait wait that long and buzzer beater success on the last day and yeah that's i still can't even fathom it for you like it must have felt surreal dude like i imagine even still a little bit feels surreal but for oh yeah yeah couldn't believe it and after having a lot of close encounters and you know seeing watching a lot of antelope and like finally walking up to it was like you know wow i couldn't even believe that i was getting that close to it you know after them <laughs> beating me so many times <laughs> i just could not believe it like i drove home smiling the whole way oh yeah <laughs> That's straight up, uh, it's probably just pumped on adrenaline too, just stoked. Like, I, I don't know, there's nothing that can take that feeling from you, man, when you're when something like that happens. Yeah, no, exactly. The uh, the Fred Bear song blasting all the way home. That's cool, <laughs> dude. The Ted Nugent song, yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. I just recently went on a uh, deep dive into like traditional archery. Like there's 
the I started shooting traditional again and recurve and stuff just mm-hmm. to whatever get into it and trying to get a doe here later in the year with it or something like that but uh mm-hmm. I just started really getting into the history and everything and I started looking more into uh you know like Saxton Pope and Arthur Young like the two guys from Pope and Young there and stuff and mm-hmm. you know they've got like some phenomenal like Africa stories and all this stuff and then man I came across this video and then this is such a trip but it just reminded me of all this with the Fred Bear song because I went, while I was sick there, when we were supposed to originally talk, I think it was on Thursday or Friday. Um, yeah, I was laying around all afternoon and uh, ended up in this YouTube rabbit hole of bow hunting videos from like a hundred years ago. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh wow, dude, it's gonna!" I'll have to send you this if it, if you care to watch them ever. But there's uh, one of absolutely. Yeah, like someone uploaded this and I shared it in a story there. And, um, but yeah, I'll send you the link for it. But, uh, it's one of, uh, Arthur Young. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was him going to Alaska for like a year, right? And, uh, from 1922 to 1923. So it's like an entire year of him being there. And it's only a half an hour long, like the movie. It's all black and white there's no audio and it's like probably in my understanding one of the first people to ever bring a camera to alaska with like you know alone hunting like this is like probably some of the earliest footage i mean maybe there's some other stuff from maybe a gold rush or something but yeah some of like the earliest footage of even out there at all and uh at the beginning of the video right they're like you just get like you know when the like old timey movies just show you words like as narration kind of thing it just mm-hmm. will be like a slide of like kind of describing things and then it plays like the next clip or whatever. So there'd be these little paragraphs and it's like, you know, we went up to Alaska to just uh, uh, to go and hunt out there for the year, but we only took what we needed for sustenance. Like it wasn't big game hunting or anything like that or like trophy hunting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he ends up like the first thing he does is like tie a string to his arrow and does some bow fishing. And then, and this was almost like, like basically a self bow right like a bow that he whittled himself and then um you know he goes in again to the winter and stuff and before the winter he it just blows my mind like he, he takes this just a massive moose and then it like cuts to a scene where they're transporting it down the river and they're like the only way we could transport it down the river was to make a canoe out of the hide of the moose right and i'm like wow. man like i'm thinking like there's the Cameron Haynes story of like, you know, lift, run, shoot, and like nobody cares, work harder. And it's like, and then there's this skinny guy in 1922 that's like making a canoe out of moose hide that's just like, whatever, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, yeah. It blows my mind. That definitely shows how far we've came where that wouldn't even cross anybody's mind these days. Yeah, it's like a viable option. Yeah 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 and i'm yeah most guys are day hunting from a truck now yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah man i'll have to send it to you he goes on to uh shooting a kodiak bear on kodiak island there and that's also insane this guy's like in the field 30 feet from a grizzly hitting it with a trad bow just screwing around you know like, like not screwing around but yeah it's just, 
And then there's some incredible wow. footage of um, like Inuit and Eskimo, like and how they lived on this like edge, and they basically made like canoes and clothing out of like whale blubber and stuff. And yeah, just insane how people lived in that little nook and cranny and stuff of the world. And it's just really mind blowing stuff we forgot about. And one of my favorite things to think about is just how primitive like the tools and stuff were at that time, even mm-hmm. for, you know, a guy that like he learned from like indigenous himself, like Arthur Young. Right. And yeah. And it was one of those things, like if it wasn't for some of these guys and like Fred Bear, right? And it's like, man, that might not even, everyone would be maybe rifle hunting right now. You know, like there might not really be archery a lot. Like there might be target archery or something. I don't know. Maybe it would come out anyway at some point. But but yeah, and then I think about like, you know, how everyone's always so concerned about like how heavy the poundage is of the bow or like, you know, and don't get me wrong, you want to deal the most ethical death and there's laws in place for minimum poundage and stuff like that anyway, right? But mm-hmm. it's just, I I look at recurve sometimes when I shot a lot of compound and thought like, oh, like how can that even, that thing even work? And it's like, you know, if it didn't work, you and I wouldn't even be like alive to talk about this stuff right now. You know, it's like we we lived as a species because that worked you know it's like Mm -hmm. yeah it's just crazy yeah it goes to show how i guess overcomplicated it is now where really all you need is a stick and a string right the and first and you can make it happen not to say that it's any easier or anything like that and i mean both have their their uh, pros and cons for sure right but yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's been almost uh, that's where i've been the last couple of days <laughs> i was sick i just in this yeah, wormhole of awesome. bow hunting history but yeah i'll definitely awesome. send that your way but yeah for sure yeah so but yeah man so uh other than that story i mean it's tough because that's such a insane story but you know with uh out there fishing and like elk and stuff like that did you have any other stories you wanted to share while we were on here chatting um i don't think today i'll uh i'll save uh i'll save one for next time how about that <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. fair man oh, for was, sure. yeah but uh it was awesome having me on and i really appreciate it oh for sure man and again like thank you for uh taking the time to go into detail and and sharing that story but uh what else do you got going on this year again you were saying you're saying you're going out with rifle now and maybe mule deer and elk yeah so next week um i'm pro i'm going down south again for probably an archery mule deer hunt right and i picked up a um, undersubscribed cow elk tag down there as well so kind of do a little cow elk or archery mule deer hunt for five days um, and see what we can turn up down there and then after that it's right out to the mountains for uh, rifle elk the following week so see if I can find a bull and That'll probably be most of my season. 
right there. Well, that's a heck of a season. I'll be uh, keeping my eye out and hopefully celebrating any other successes that you come across. Um, yeah. Did you go out for sheep at all this year, or is that uh, still in the works? Um, I did end up going. Um, so I was supposed to go with a friend who um, had a work schedule issue. So yeah. about a week before the season, he couldn't make it. So I decided to go out myself. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll get into this story really quick because it's a fairly short one. Um, I <laughs> I uh, drove out and I was just kind of planning on spotting this mountain that I've seen sheep from the truck before. Um, so the night before season opens, I found four rams up on the mountain and thinking, oh, great. You know, I'll hike up there tomorrow morning before dark and hopefully be on them by legal light. Yeah. Well, getting up there was a lot more of a challenge than I thought it would be. So hiked four hours to get up the mountain, just about to break the tree line. And I ran into a big grizzly at, I don't know, a couple hundred yards right below oh, the, the rams. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. So I, and I, you know, he looked at me, he wasn't too concerned, but I ended up turning around and hiking out actually, because with how close he was to the sheep and me yeah. being in there by myself way back there, I figured it was probably the smart decision to oh yeah, you know, change course. So I left him and drove home actually just gave up on it so Dang but, uh, <laughs> yeah it was close but um well i don't know maybe i was just being paranoid too and i would have been fine but i thought if i took this chance and i saw him and then i go up there you know 500 yards and i shoot this ram yeah and then i get attacked it's my own fault mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i knew he was there so I just played it safe and if I being alone I was trying to talk myself you know talk Dude, myself out of it <laughs> that is totally fair like that is beyond probably the right thing to do was that the first time you ever seen like a grizz out there um in like no no actually okay. I I've seen grizzlies in there before I mean, never that high up on the mountain, but I've seen them down closer to the road and stuff. But so I knew they were in the area, but I guess it's kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing. You know, yeah. if, uh, if I didn't see one hiking in there, I would have went about my day. For sure. But the fact that I saw him and he was, I was, well, he was between me and the Rams and the Rams were just up above him. Mm -hmm. I just thought, uh, it's too, uh, too close for comfort for me. So, oh, yeah, that's totally understandable for sure. I just didn't know if it was like a, like when you do see them or come across them, that's like a kind of a heart sinking. If you do get that kind of 
panic mm-hmm. inset kind of feeling when you do see them because i haven't actually personally whether it's fly fishing in the backcountry or hunting in the backcountry i've actually never um personally even like laid eyes on one and i always i don't even really want to wonder how i would feel but i imagine i'd have like a pretty gut sinking feeling and probably want to just turn around and leave so. yeah i well i've seen know, tracks I mean, like i've walked over tracks a lot but yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. I've, I've seen enough that it wasn't so much of that. And he was 300 yards away from me, probably oh, okay. 400 yards, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, uh, holy shit, he's right in front of me kind yeah. of deal. Um, but like, I, yeah, it was, uh, definitely spooky enough when I'm by myself that I was like, I better, you know, hustle out of here. um if i would have been with someone in a situation like that because after he saw me he meandered his way across and you know oh across kind of the face of the hill there Mm -hmm. and when i left he was maybe 800 yards away from me but I just, if I was with somebody else, maybe I, we would have said, you know, let's go up and around this way mm-hmm. um, and kind of go around him and leave him alone. But the fact that I was by myself and the risk was high and I just decided to, <laughs> yeah, safety first, right? Yeah. No, that's for sure. Yeah. I, uh mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's worth sharing the stories from <laughs> last weekend quickly before we wrap things up, but it's pretty embarrassing. But uh, I drove all the way out west for some last minute elk hunting. And uh, well, not, oh, yeah. not really last minute, but um, it's just kind of poor decision. I ended up, you know, trying to get out as, like as early as possible and ended up staying up pretty much all night drove out got there like still in the dark and yeah or anything else i actually ended up just having like pretty crazy stomach pains and uh got the old runs in the bush and (laughs) like literally just absolutely terrible and ended up just calling it man before even like it was the most embarrassing thing like literally everything that's Mm -hmm. happened since September 1st for the season for me has been like terrible. Like, it's like I had that amazing blessing of the first day opener. And then every other attempt has been like, no, man, like you already had your your time. (laughs) So, so the end. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, dude. And the only, (laughs) and it's funny to say it on the podcast because I didn't know if I would like hear it because it's kind of nasty or whatever the hell. I think we've all been there and it's a reality of being out in the woods or whatever, but like we were pretty far back and, you know, I just, what the reason why I ended up pulling the the cord and coming back was I was like, you know, I actually felt like I was going to get more sick. Like I thought like, Oh dude, like how I had like the flu this weekend. Right. I was like, Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to get the fever and cold sweats and stuff like that. Cause that to me felt like the onset of it or something. Like I was just like, dude, I kind of started to panic where I was like, if, if I'm out here right now and like in an hour it's worse and then I can't even like drive myself home. Like I'm just like sweating or, you know, like sometimes it gets that bad 
that you just mm-hmm. and you, you just don't want to be anywhere but your house because you can't even drive or move really you're just like you get the crap kicked out of you so absolutely yeah. or if you hiked in there and then had something happen where you can't hike out that's what my concern was man i started to like panic like what if i can't hike out of here and i'm like shaking in the woods or something like i just had this like so yeah i just literally called it there and came home and it was like the most embarrassing failure of an attempt <laughs> to launch like failure to launch and uh i was telling some guys about it um and some guys that have previously been on the podcast and stuff and uh we were kind of laughing about it and they were like, man, you should share it on the podcast. And, you know, maybe we'll have, to, I'll have to do this in the future where we do like a, like a shitty stories for a, a lack of a better term or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to explain the fact that that's not the only time something like that's happened because, and this is a, maybe a terrible note to go on, on but literally last year I had, I went to my tree stand in the bow zone here up in the eastern side of the city and uh, mm-hmm. up by Edmonton and, you know, took a chance. <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. <laughs> took a chance on a risky fart up in my tree stand at like six in the morning and, and let alone. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> I'm even serious. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> I literally... Yeah. I had to hang it up and go home, like literally in that golden hour, like that first prime time, like I got out there pitch black in the dark, you know, real quiet, still hunting my way to the stand, like didn't make a peep, didn't bump anything. Sun rose and like, just as you could start to see things like perfect time, I let up the squeaker. <laughs> sure enough. And then that, yeah. <laughs> as cool as people might think they are, man, you're never, um, never admit from crap in your pants i guess i don't know why i'm telling this <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious yeah no that's uh there's okay. definitely you're definitely not the only one with stories like that for sure <laughs> and dude i'm uh, still, you know you have the thought cross your mind right you're like you know there's that maybe minute of debate where i'm like well the deer's gonna smell that and i'm like and i'm not sitting here in this for like hours so i'm just gonna stand down and go yeah yeah the hunt's over at that point for sure yeah so i'm glad you know like in your instance seeing a grizzly regardless if it's 300 yards away or not is like way more justification for going home regardless if you crap your pants or not if you told me you'd like did a little bit i've been like yeah man i would have too i did two times like Anyway. yeah that's uh yeah i think a hundred yards closer and we would have been there <laughs> yeah no, anyway but, dude uh, I, I probably shouldn't have shared those stories but you know it's maybe awesome. it's important too yeah that's awesome <laughs> but uh yeah you're not the only one that's uh i guess gone out and kind of had to turn around and come home in the last one <laughs> yeah yeah so that's for lack of yeah, better relations yeah yeah <laughs> yeah anyway i wanted to uh throw out there too so your instagram i should have mentioned this earlier but is at it's underscore carson city or carson city sorry underscore yeah yeah absolutely 
Perfect. Um, yeah. I wanted to throw that out there. Hunting and fishing videos on there. So photos yeah. and videos. So yeah, yeah. and it's uh literally loaded. Like your account is just loaded with like I said earlier, man, like some of the the best in the species that Alberta has to offer. It's uh, incredible to see the stuff you're out there getting out and doing, man. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. For sure, man. And uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on the pod and sharing the story and taking the time to listen to me tell you about crap for my fans. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I look forward to hearing some more stories from 2023, but I uh, got to tell you right now, that's going to be a tough one to beat. That's the, you should be really proud of that accomplishment, man. That's pretty badass for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. For sure, Carson. Well, thanks again, man. You have a great night there and look forward to talking to you again soon. Hopefully having you on again in the future and uh, hearing of any other successes that come your way. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you.